Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Deacon Isaac Longworth, and today I want to tell you the story of Saint Gertrude the Great. Now, you can probably already tell from the nickname Gertrude the Great that this saint had a pretty interesting life. It's not every saint that earns the name the Great. And I really hope that you not only find her life interesting, but that you form a special friendship with her, a special relationship with her as you learn about the amazing things that God did in and through her. St. Gertrude was born in Germany in the year 1256, but we actually don't know too much about her early childhood or her family life, and we have to piece together clues after the fact, including one that we get from Gertrude herself. She wrote later about how, as a child, she was distant from her relatives, that she received no love from her family, which forced her to rely more on the love of God. Now, this is kind of a vague clue. We don't really know what to make of this, but it's possible that this means that her parents died when she was young or that there was some kind of of trauma that led to her family being unable to care for her. We just don't know. But we do know that when she was only five years old, she entered into a Benedictine monastery to be taken care of by the nuns there. And so again, this is another clue that we put together to say that it's possible that if this happened, maybe it meant that her family either died early or they abandoned her, leaving her to be taken care of by nuns, almost like an orphanage. But whatever happened, she ended up in this Benedictine monastery, and while there, she received an excellent education from the nuns. As a little girl, she did very well in her classes, she was very intelligent, and from an early age, she loved learning. She studied mathematics and astronomy and music and literature, and she loved it all. She loved to read, loved to study. And so, of course, she was quite often at the very top of her class. Now, the sisters also taught little Gertrude about God and her Catholic faith. And so from them, she learned how to pray, and she had lots of time to practice prayer growing up in a convent surrounded by nuns. She also had a very sheltered upbringing, right? She's being raised by nuns, which helped her grow very quickly in holiness, even from the time of being very young. However, she was still human, and she certainly was not perfect. No saint is. And her personality was very strong, she was quite stubborn, and she was very impulsive. And so sometimes this combination got her into trouble with the sisters who were taking care of her. But on the whole, the sisters really loved her, and she was very happy living with them. Now, as she became a young woman, Gertrude decided that she loved that monastery so much that she wanted to stay. She wanted to live there forever as a nun herself. And so she did that and she continued to live and study with them. She continued to excel in her studies even as a nun and her drive and intelligence exceeded all the other sisters. And Gertrude was pretty aware of that. She was aware of how smart she was and she actually was pretty proud of it. She was never content, but kept pushing herself in her research. In fact, her studies actually became almost like uh, an identity for her. Like she thought to herself almost, I have to keep doing well so that people will respect me, so that God will love me. I need to get perfect, good grades. I need to learn it all. And if I fail an exam or if I get a bad mark, like that's the end. That's the end of me. It was was a, a perfectionism that was creeping into her life. 
And then one year during Advent, which is the season right before Christmas. And this is a season when Catholics really look more intently at their lives. They prepare themselves to get ready for the coming of Jesus. And so she was doing that. And this 24-year-old Gertrude did some soul searching and she realized how much she had based her identity on her reputation as a good student. And she realized, I'm not truly living for God alone and doing everything for him. I'm actually seeking perfection in my studies to prove myself to the people around me. I I realize that I'm actually proud and even vain of my intelligence and my talents. And Gertrude was coming to this new self-awareness as she was doing some soul searching. And so shortly after, during night prayer with the other sisters, Gertrude had the first of many supernatural visions of God that she would receive during her life. It started to happen in her mid-20s. And when she was having this vision, she sensed this man coming to her and there was light shining off of him. And right away, his presence, it calmed all the anxiety that she was feeling about this new discovery about how vain and proud she was of her intelligence. And this man took her by the hand And when he did so, she saw that his hands had nail marks and she realized that Jesus himself was appearing to her. Now, this powerful experience of God in prayer, it changed Gertrude completely. No longer was she interested in studying math and science and literature. She didn't care about any of that anymore. She didn't care about her reputation as a brilliant scholar like she had previously. Instead, Gertrude was filled with a single-minded desire for God. She was filled with an intense love for him. She wanted to know more about him. And so instead of spending all of her time studying, she spent hours in prayer. And she began to fall in love more and more with Jesus as she spoke with him. She would actually hear God speak to her very often. She would see visions of him. She would see visions and pictures of the saints and angels and other heavenly images. One example of one of these visions, just so that you can get an image of what the prayer life of Gertrude was like, took place when she and her sisters were not able to receive Holy Communion at Mass. And so in its place, they had gathered together to pray and to make a spiritual communion. Now, a spiritual communion, if you haven't heard of that before, it's basically a a kind of prayer where you receive Jesus spiritually into your heart when you're unable to go to Mass to receive the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, of course, as Catholics, we believe that even though it looks like bread and wine, at Mass, it actually becomes the true presence of Jesus, his body and his blood. And so the sisters had gathered together to make a spiritual communion, and while they were there, Gertrude saw the throne of God in heaven and God was there in all of his glory and his majesty. And there was a ladder coming down from where he was to where she was praying with all of her other sisters. And in this vision, she saw her and her sisters climbing up this ladder and going to stand by the throne of God, the father. And Jesus was standing with them. Now, because she was unable to go to Holy Communion, Gertrude was really desiring to go and receive communion. And Jesus understood that. He understood the pain that it was for her to just go for spiritual communion. And so this is the words of Gertrude herself and how Jesus ministered to her in that loneliness. 
She said, I saw Jesus Christ holding a host in his hand, which he plunged into the heart of God his Father. And when he drew it forth, it seemed as if it was colored red or tinged with blood. And then he came to each sister. Jesus was dressed as a priest holding this host with thousands of angels around him. And rays of light were coming off of him. They were shining on the nuns. Even some of the light coming off of Jesus left the chapel where they were to shine on people who were not able to be there in prayer with him. It was this beautiful image. And after all of this, Jesus, Gertrude said, again, these are her own words. She said, he breathed towards heaven to the honor of his eternal father. He breathed a breath like a burning flame. And he also breathed upon those who were present with a white light, bright as snow. And so in this, she was seeing the prayer that happens at Mass, where not only are we praying to God through Jesus at the Mass, but the blessings of heaven are also coming down from God through Jesus to us. Jesus is the in-between. He's both God and man. And so he is there bringing our prayers up to the Father at the Mass, and he's also bringing the graces of heaven down to us through the Mass. And Jesus even gave each of the sisters who were there in the chapel the sign of peace himself. He gave them each a kiss of peace, symbolizing that each of the nuns are mystically, in a spiritual sense, they are brides of Jesus who are devoted to him only. That's why nuns don't marry in the earthly life, because they are symbolically married to Jesus as his bride. And so this beautiful vision that Gertrude saw was just one example of the many mystical supernatural visions that she had of heaven. She saw that Jesus had come down to visit his brides who were unable to go to Holy Communion, and so he had come down himself to give them communion as the true priest. Now, many of her visions were centered on the reality of purgatory. Now, you might not have heard of purgatory before. It's kind of a niche Catholic thing, but purgatory is a true place. It is a place, it says in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, where all who die in God's grace and friendship, but are still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation, but after death they undergo purification so that they can achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. And the catechism finishes it off by saying the church gives the name purgatory to this final purification. So basically what that means is if you die as a Christian, you're someone who has put your faith in Jesus, you've lived your life for him, and you have been forgiven for all of your serious sins, you will go to heaven. That's how it works. But you still might have some smaller sins, some smaller imperfections, some weaknesses in your soul at the time of your death. You're not completely perfect when you die. Well, the problem is, is that in heaven, there's only perfect people. So in Revelations chapter 21, verse 27, it says that nothing unclean shall enter into heaven. And so you have to be completely perfect at the moment of your death to go straight to heaven. And very few people are perfect when they die. They might have some small sins, some small weaknesses still present. And so God, in his mercy, provides a place where after death, imperfect souls can go to be purified and perfected so that they're ready for heaven. 
It's kind of like a, a cleanup place. Now, purification is never a fun experience. Think of training for a marathon or you're dieting or you're working on a virtue. It's not easy. It's hard work. It's painful. But it pays off in the end. And the same is true of purgatory. The church uses a symbol of the fires of purgatory as if there's a fire that burns you, but it's burning you to purify you, to clean you. It's a symbol of the suffering that souls go through. And the reason souls suffer in purgatory is because they're impatient to go to heaven. They have to learn things that they refused to learn on earth. And Gertrude had visions of people who were in this purification in purgatory. She once had a vision of a monk who had died, and she saw that Jesus was sitting at a large table with Mary and the saints, and they were all having a feast together. But the monk who had died was standing off to the side, and he was looking really sad because he was unable to join. And when she asked why he wasn't able to join the feast, he explained to her that he was having to stay away for a while because during life, he was always wanting his own way. He was not obedient when he was told to do something by his superiors. And so because of that, he had to wait away from the feast, which symbolized heaven, until he was ready. She also saw once a monk who she saw on fire, which is kind of a terrifying image, but he was holding a large, heavy bundle in his hands. And he told her that he was in purgatory, suffering for being lazy in his duties. And not only that, but for secretly being greedy. He was collecting wealth and possessions that he hid from the other brothers. And so before he could go to heaven, he had to spend some time in purgatory for these sins. Purgatory is also a place where you are punished for sins that you committed in life, you repented of, you were forgiven for, but you still have some restitution to make back to God. So the eternal punishment for sins, which is hell, a place of eternal torture, that is completely forgiven. When you go to confession, when you go to Jesus, you receive his mercy, you are forgiven of all your eternal punishment that you deserved, which would have been in hell. But you still sometimes have some temporal punishment. That means punishment in time. It's not eternal. It does come to an end. But that is satisfied by doing penance. So that's why after confession, a Catholic priest will assign someone penance to do after their sins. So this could be maybe doing some extra prayers. It could be uh, some fasting. So going out without some food, that kind of thing in order to satisfy the temporal punishment that you deserve for your sin. So purgatory is a place where you can suffer for all the sins that you were forgiven for, but you didn't really do enough penance to show that you were actually sorry to God for hurting him. And Gertrude saw this taking place when she saw one of her sisters who had died and her sister was being in purgatory. She was being prepared there to go and meet Jesus as his bride. In life though, the problem was, is that she had had some inappropriate conversations with men during her lifetime. And so Jesus said of her, my spouse will consent willingly to what my justice requires. For when she is purified, she will enjoy my glory and my consolation. And so this sister actually was happy to be in purgatory. Even though it was painful, she was happy to be there because it was purifying her. 
Because she was left alone from Jesus, she desired to be with him all the more. And so that was purifying her of her earthly desires that she had had to spend too much time talking with other men. And so Gertrude prayed for her sister, who was in purgatory, and later on saw a vision of Jesus coming to take her to his side and spend eternity with her in joy. Now, it's important to remember in talking about purgatory that it's not kind of this in-between place between heaven and hell. It's not uh, an eternal place that you go. You will never spend all of eternity in purgatory. It's a temporary place. Everyone who is living on earth will either go to heaven forever or hell forever. But some people that are on their way to heaven have to spend some time first in purgatory. So it's not, you know, a third place you could end up in forever in the afterlife. People in purgatory are actually really excited to be there because even though they're suffering, they know it's only a matter of time before they're in heaven. And Gertrude saw this in one of her sisters, another one of her nuns who had died, was standing before Jesus and he was beckoning her to come into heaven with him. But the sister was actually ashamed to go. And she told Gertrude, I'm not yet perfectly purified from all of my defects. And so I'm not in a good condition to receive his favor. And so this sister actually told Gertrude that she wanted to be in purgatory so that she could be made ready so that when she was perfect, she would be able to go completely unashamed to be with Jesus forever. And so in all of these visions of purgatory, Gertrude learned from Jesus that it was possible to pray for all the souls who were in purgatory and that those prayers would actually help them more quickly serve their time there and get to heaven faster. Jesus even gave her a special prayer that she could pray for these souls. And he promised that he would bring many people out of purgatory into heaven if she prayed it often. And this is what he taught her to pray. He said, pray this, pray eternal father, I offer you, the most precious blood of your divine son, Jesus, in union with all the masses that are said throughout the world today, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home and within my own family. And he said, with these prayers, you will be obedient to God's wishes. You will be helping these souls in purgatory. And so out of love for all of her friends who were suffering in purgatory, Gertrude prayed for them throughout her whole life until eventually she died at the age of 46. And no doubt the many souls that she had prayed for until they had reached heaven, they returned the favor and were praying for her at the moment of her death so that she too was able to quickly go to heaven and be with her spouse, Jesus, forever. Now, St. Gertrude's vision of purgatory is truly very eye-opening. It's something that I think is worth paying attention to for all of us. And from it, we can first of all learn that we can start preparing for our death now. One thing that all of us can be sure of is that we will all die. And when we die, we want to go to heaven quickly, right? We don't want to spend too much time in purgatory. And so that means that in our life right now, we can work on growing in virtue, work at overcoming our character weaknesses, becoming the saints that God wants us to be. And that means if you're Catholic, you can go to confession 
often and be sure to do the penance that the priest offers you so that you can be forgiven of your sins. And maybe even going above and beyond by thinking of extra penances you can do to show Jesus just how sorry you are for your sins. You can do some extra prayers. You can fast from things that you like doing. You can do extra things for others, works of charity, in order to show Jesus how sorry you are for your sin so that you have less time that you have to make up for that when you're in purgatory. And finally, like St. Gertrude, we can pray for the souls in purgatory. We can say the prayer that St. Gertrude was taught by Jesus. We can make up our own to God in praying for the souls in purgatory. When you're at Mass, you can offer up all the graces that you're receiving from Jesus at that Mass for the souls in purgatory so that they can go to heaven more quickly. And the souls in purgatory are our brothers and sisters. Yes, they're dead to this life, but they're more alive than we are because they are close, so close to heaven. And they love us and they're praying for us. And I actually have kind of a a good relationship with the souls in purgatory. I have almost a deal with them. I say, listen, souls in purgatory, I'm going to pray for you often. I'm going to pray the prayer that St. Gertrude was taught so that you can go to heaven quickly. But in return, here's the deal. Here's the bargain. I ask that you pray for me. And I have seen so many times in my life how good of friends the souls in purgatory are. They're very grateful for the prayers they receive and they don't forget you. They pray for you. They help you. I've received so many blessings in my life, so many healings for people that I've prayed for when I've asked the souls in purgatory to come alongside me and pray. So pray for the souls in purgatory like St. Gertrude taught us. So why don't we spend some time in prayer right now? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Gertrude, you learned how to put God at the center of your life. You learned how to rely on him and him alone for your identity and your meaning rather than your own intelligence, your own hard work. So help us to make sure that our priorities are in place. Help us to make sure that Jesus is more important to us than anything in our lives, our career, our reputations, any of our gifts and talents. Let us make sure that all of these are secondary to our relationship with Jesus. St. Gertrude, you had a deep love for all the poor souls who are suffering in purgatory on their way to heaven. And you spent your life praying for them so that they would reach heaven quickly. Help us to, first of all, prepare well for the moment of our own death so that we don't need to spend a long time being purified before heaven, but also help us to form a good relationship with the souls in purgatory and to pray for them often. And we close by praying that beautiful prayer that St. Gertrude was taught. Eternal Father, I offer you the most precious blood of your divine Son, Jesus, in union with all the masses said throughout the world today, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home, and within my own family. Amen. St. Gertrude the Great, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.